go ahead and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 19. Kind of page mark there. I don't know what page it is in your Bible. But Luke is one of the four biographies of Jesus. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. This is, one of the, this is the third book in the New Testament. Luke was a doctor who was commissioned to interview all these eyewitnesses and gather uh, an accurate account of the life and ministry teachings and miracles of Jesus. And we're going to hone in on a really, really important story about this little guy named Zacchaeus. And if you grew up like me in a Sunday school church, you know the nursery rhyme. Zacchaeus was a, and a, was he, he climbed up. Sycamore tree for the, yes, okay, you know, my people, some other recovering Southern Baptists in the room. Love it, love it. Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and as a tax collector in Bible times, he was hated. Now, I don't know if you work for like the IRS or like the local government, and maybe you office with the tax collector here in Dawson County. I'm not trying to throw any shade your way, but Generally speaking, even today, people aren't fired up about giving their money to the government. You know what I'm saying? So back then, the tax collectors were doing a lot more damage than taxes are nowadays. Let me just give you a little bit of history. Let's say that we, Dawson County, are taken over by the Roman Empire a couple thousand years ago. The way Romans would keep peace is by saying, hey, you can worship how you want. You can do business how you want. You can live how you want. As long as you pay your taxes and don't cause any rebellions. And so what they would do is they would look at some Dawson County natives and they would say, hey, you want to be a tax collector? All right, as long as we get our percentage, you can tax the people as much as you want. You can make a profit here as long as Caesar gets what Caesar wants. And so let's say Caesar's, you know, tax percentage was maybe 15% of the household income. As long as he got that from the household the, the tax collector could tax as much as he wanted and keep the rest for himself. So they were looked at as traitors. They were looked at as dirty, rotten scoundrels. They were looked at as scumbags, disloyal, deceitful, manipulative people. There were some provinces where certain historians believe that tax collectors had such an unchecked authority over the taxes that, that they were collecting up to 90% of household income in certain areas. And so... It's kind of no surprise when you think about that kind of taxation, why there was always hungry people around Jesus, because they legit needed to be fed. And so here is Zacchaeus. You're going to see in a minute he was a tax collector, but the book of Luke says that he was a chief tax collector. So he was authorizing and encouraging and incentivizing all of this unnecessary taxing. Rome gets this much, but I get this much. And so people hated tax collectors. They looked at them as the traitors of the day. And Zacchaeus wanted to see what this Jesus movement was all about. So he was climbing up in a tree, kind of looking over the crowd to see if Jesus may notice him. And this story is all about what happens when you're noticed by God. We, we do some pretty drastic things to get noticed these days. That's what our social media is all about. If you have an Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, it's just to see if people notice your pictures, notice your opinions, agree with you, like you, follow you, celebrate you, retweet you. And I'm just as guilty as the next guy. If you are friends with me on social media, you're going to see that one of the things I have in my life that I'm really proud of 
is my grill. Like I am always posting barbecue pictures. I love barbecue, not just eating barbecue, but making barbecue. And if you've ever heard of the big green egg, my grill's kind of like that, but like way better. It's red. So Georgia Bulldog fans, you're welcome. So it's red. It's called a Kamado Joe. It's a big egg-shaped cooker. You can do briskets. I did Thanksgiving turkey on it. You can do pizza. You can do anything. And so I want to get noticed by Kamado Joe, the brand, because I want them to give me free stuff. You know, I want them to send me. I've made YouTube videos. Like, I'm trying to get noticed. And sure enough, the other day, they noticed me. I'm going to tell you how. I made this steak. It was a porterhouse, and it was dry-aged 21 days. This was a nice cut of meat. So I slow cooked it for a little while, took it off the grill, opened up all the vents and let the flames start going because I was going to reverse sear this thing. If you know something about steaks, that's the way to do it. And so I got my iPhone out, put it in portrait mode, you know, where it looks like a camera and kind of blurs out the background. It's going to look kind of pro here. Take a portrait of the steak being kissed by the flames, put it on Instagram, get a notification a few hours later, Kamado Joe liked it. Oh, man, they noticed me, but it gets better. Kamado Joe commented, oh man, so they liked it, and that's one thing, because they've got thousands of people that are on their radar, so they liked it, that's cool, but when they commented, it means somebody that gets a paycheck from Kamado Joe took a minute to say something about my Kamado Joe picture. This is a total fangirl moment, if there ever has been one. I'm freaking out, like the middle schoolers meeting One Direction. So what happens is I, I get on, and I read the comment, and they say, this is what, I'm not lying, you can see it for yourself. They say, nice picture, mind if we share this from our account and give you credit. And they did. They shared that picture, and they said, photo credit at Nathan Seabury. And I freaked out. I got noticed. That's the culture we live in. Notice me. Do you see me? Do you accept me? Do you agree with me? Do you follow me? And I think when it comes to faith, and when it comes to Christianity, and when it comes to getting noticed by God, I think sometimes we think we've got to do drastic things like climb up in a tree above the crowd to get noticed by God. Maybe in your life you think getting noticed by God means, okay, I partied a little too hard last night, so to, this Sunday I'm going to drop a little bit more in the offering bucket on the way out. I'm going to get noticed by God. It's a peace offering, God. If you notice my righteousness, maybe you'll forgive my stupid decisions that I've made. Okay, I'll help sponsor somebody on a mission trip. Okay, I'll go on a mission trip. Okay, I'll stop watching these kind of movies. I'll only listen to the fish. Do you notice me, God? And sometimes we think there's this glass ceiling that's preventing our prayers from reaching the throne room of heaven. We're getting this rejection email, return to sender. What is it going to take for God to notice me? And as we're going to see here, it's not our behavior. It's not our church attendance. It's not our Bible memory verses. It's not our good deeds that get us noticed by God. It's certainly not our bad deeds that get us noticed by God. What you as a human have that no other part of creation has, whether it's the stars in the sky or the mountains in Dahlonega or the beaches on the Gulf Coast with the white sand or the birds in the sky, the, the animals that, that, that crawl around and you just reminded how creative and powerful God is and all of the universe fits in the palm of his hand and he said it is good when he created everything, but he didn't say that it's made in his own image. He only said you are made in the image of God. And when we understand the intrinsic worth that we carry being made in the image of God, something clicks. Something should change and stir within us because we realize 
how valuable we are. Not because of our behavior, but just because we exist. The Bible says eternity is set in the heart of everyone. It doesn't take good or bad behavior to get noticed by God. All we have to do is just have breath in our lungs. God says you're important. God says you're valuable. He notices you for who you are, not what you do. And when we understand that, that's the beginning of a life change story. Because when I understand my worth to God, it helps me understand others' worth to God. And that's what the story of Zacchaeus is all about. He was noticed by the Lord, and then he couldn't help but to notice other people. He was loved by Jesus and received the acceptance that only Jesus can give and decided to distribute that love and that acceptance to the world around him. So as we, as we dive into Luke chapter 19, I think we need to look in the mirror and, and, and ask ourselves, because I'm accepted, because I'm loved, because I know how important I am, am I allowing that love to, to kind of pass through me and into my social circles and my spheres of influence, the people that I come in contact with? Because if I'm important to God, anybody can be important to God. If you have your Bible, it's in Luke chapter 19, the story of Zacchaeus. It says this, he, being Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. He was seeking to see who Jesus was, but on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small of stature. Hashtag short people problems. I'm sure some of y'all know what it's like trying to look around. Luckily, we have a big screen up there, so maybe you can see what's going on here today. And so he, he ran on ahead and climbed up a tree uh, into a sycamore tree for he was about to pass that way. So here's Zacchaeus. A rich, wealthy, dignified man doing something kind of silly, climbing up in a tree to look ahead and see what Jesus was up to. And there's a big crowd. There's always a crowd around Jesus. What's Jesus going to do today? Is he going to raise somebody from the dead? Is he going to turn water into wine? Is he going to feed the hungry? Is he going to heal somebody that's blind? They did not expect that Jesus would look beyond the masses and look to the man, Zacchaeus, and notice him. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. And when they saw it, they all grumbled. He's gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. And Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I will restore it fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today, Salvation has come to this house, since he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And let's just kind of pick apart what happens there. Zacchaeus did something drastic to get noticed by somebody that he perceived had power beyond his own. Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. Zacchaeus had anything he could possibly want. He had power, he had fame, he had pleasure. Now his fame wasn't like that he was accepted by, the, by the, the common man. He was accepted by the other people in power, the oppressors. He was also accepted by other sinners, like tax collectors, best friends were drunkards and prostitutes. They had money, they threw really 
great parties. But here he is, from the outside looking in, wanting to get noticed by Jesus. I've been around celebrities once or twice, not because I was invited to some VIP thing, but I was at a guitar center in South Florida one time when I was still a worship leader, and I was buying some guitar gear, and I saw this guy that I thought he was either like a retired rock star or a retired person, either way, just trying to relive his 20s, because you could tell he's about in his 50s or 60s, he had this black dyed hair, 80s metal, all the way down to his hips, super curly, super just you know, teased out of control, had these huge black dyed sideburns that came to this big point, lets his chin bare, super cool, had the huge sunglasses that were dark. You knew this guy was here to party because he had a black leather shirt with only one button buttoned and no undershirt, you know, so he's like, he's wearing these black tight leather pants and I'm waiting out front, this dude walks in his Ferrari, puts a piano in the front seat, this electric one, and, and as he's about to drive, uh, get in the driver's seat, I, I say, are you a real rock star? Turns out he was. Turns out he's the godfather of metal guitar shredding. He's a German wizard of a guitar player named Ingve Mumstein. If you're a guitar player, you know who that is. His guitar, like I went inside because the dude just basically shrugged. Didn't even say a word. Got in his car and drove away. I went inside to the cashier and I said, hey, I just asked that dude if he's a real rock star. And then I, oh my gosh, that's Ingve Mumstein. His Fender signature $5,000 guitar is hanging on our wall. And you asked him if he's a real rock star. <laughs> like, I don't know, I just was, I didn't know what to say. I was in the presence of somebody I thought was famous and powerful, and I just, are you a real rock star? And you have these words come out of your mouth, and it's like trying to put toothpaste back in the tube. Like, we do stupid things to get noticed by people, and here Zacchaeus is. He gets noticed by Jesus, and if you're Zacchaeus and you know who Jesus is, Jesus typically sided with the oppressed, not the oppressor. And so when he's noticed by Jesus, Zacchaeus is probably thinking, it's my day of reckoning. Jesus caught me. I probably got to come answer for all the wrong that I've done. But no, Jesus notices the person of Zacchaeus, not the behavior of Zacchaeus. And when he notices Zacchaeus, he doesn't say, gotcha. The jig is up. No, he invites him into a time of connection and relationship, and intimacy, sharing a meal. And, and what I think we can all grasp from this moment in the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus is that if he notices Zacchaeus, Jesus notices you. If Jesus notices the person that the rest of the world writes off as a reject, as a liar, as a cheater, and still seeks to not only notice him, but get to know him, Jesus sees you, he notices you, and he wants to know you. And that emotion that's kind of welling up inside of you right now, when you think about all the things that we've done, you think about all the, the things that you're embarrassed about, and the skeletons that are in your closet, and if Jesus were to notice you and call you, to the center of attention, you think, man, if these people knew me, they wouldn't accept me. That's because humans, we tend to accept people based on their behavior. We tend to accept people and approve of people if they fit into our construct of what is acceptable. See, Jesus loves us in a totally different way. See, Jesus, only Jesus separates our worth from our behavior.
And you might be feeling a mixture of emotional responses to that. For some of us, it's comforting. Oh, man. It's the, 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 the presence of God sees me for who I am and everything I've done and still wants to connect with me. For some of us, it's convicting. And it was for Zacchaeus. I think it was both comforting and convicting because if you follow the progression of events, Jesus notices Zacchaeus. He connects with Zacchaeus. But then in the middle of this connection, in the middle of this relationship that begins to blossom, transformation takes place. And transformation only comes from a place of conviction. Conviction is not a bad thing. Conviction comes from the Lord. Guilt comes from the enemy. Not once did Jesus address the changes that need to take place in Zacchaeus' life. It was a natural response to the grace of God. It was a natural response to being treated with dignity. It was a natural response to simply being noticed. And here we are in the Bible Belt trying to convince people they've got to change. And what we all know is that behavior modification is short-lived. That's why our New Year's resolutions last so short. By February, we're all going to be back in our same habits because those are just modifications of behavior. What Zacchaeus experienced was a transformational moment from the inside out where he once cared about power and fame and riches and pleasure when he came face to face with Jesus, when he realized that Jesus notices him, when he realized that Jesus separates his worth from the stupid things that he's done, he couldn't help but to respond with an overflow of love and gratitude and thankfulness and generosity. And I think if you've been there yourself, where you have that then God moment, we say that a lot around here, a then God moment. It's kind of the middle chapter of what we call a life change story. I was fill in the blank. We've all got our own backstory. I was lost. I was broken. I was neglected. I was the victim. I was forgotten. I was marginalized. I was ostracized. I was betrayed. I was rejected. I was sick. Then God. And now I am. And there's something about those then God moments where if we've really had them, those then God moments create thank God moments. Then Zacchaeus realized that he now had a greater purpose than just getting rich, than just getting popular, than just becoming powerful. He couldn't help but to dish out the love in the world around him. See, here's what happens when we understand the love that we have, the worth that we have, the value that we have. We can begin to live and love like Jesus and like Zacchaeus evolved into. Christmas time is right around the corner, okay? And a lot of you are trying to think how you can get really meaningful gifts. A lot of us think, okay, I've got to be creative, I've got to be meaningful, I've got to be thrifty, so I'm going to shop at Ross, or however you're thinking about approaching getting these special gifts for people. You may be like me where, you know, you're more of like a words of affirmation type person, so gifts is not really your love language. Like, if I get a gift, I appreciate it, but I'd rather you just like fist bump and say, you did a good job, cool sweater, you know, like, I'm over words of affirmation, so it doesn't, like, I don't feel like I've been gypped if I get a gift card for Christmas, some people feel like there's just no thought behind that, now you didn't even have to try, here's what I love about receiving a gift card, is how recklessly I can spend that money because it's not my money, you know what I'm talking about, like, 
I spend like there's almost an unlimited supply until the supply runs out. When I get a gift card to Amazon, when I get a gift card to Ross, when I get a gas gift card, we spend a little less strategically when we realize what we're spending wasn't ours to begin with. You treat a rental car differently than your own car. You treat the AC differently in a hotel than you do in your own house. When we're spending somebody else's wealth, we don't have to be as careful. And I think what happens is we think we've earned this love. We think our righteousness got the attention of God. And so that's maybe why we're so careful with how we notice and accept and embrace people who are different than us. Because I earned it. I've got to keep it. I've got to maintain it. But there is nothing strategic about Zacchaeus' response to the love of God. His then God moment that became a thank God moment, became a generosity moment, reckless, all abandonment for strategy and investment planning. He said, I'm going to pay everybody back that I've ever gypped and not just pay them back. I'm going to give them four times what I took. And from now on, half of my income goes away. Like a financial planner says, that's not wise. But there's no wisdom needed when we realize that we, as children of God, have access to an unending bank account that's called the love of God. And we can spend freely because I no longer am expecting from a human's love what only the love of God can bring. You see, here's how this story of Zacchaeus impacts every relationship, every social encounter, every threshold that I cross. I now come from the place of approved. I come from the place of worthy. I come from the place of I'm noticed by God. So whether you reciprocate this love or not means little to me because I know where my value comes from. And while it may be nice to get a fist bump from you, while it may be nice to get a job from you, while it may be nice to get a second date from you, while it may be nice to get roses and chocolate and love from you, I'm okay if you reject me. I'm okay if you kind of are hesitant about how you engage in this relationship because no matter the status of this horizontal relationship with any human, my worth, my power, my love, my abundance, my acceptance come vertically from the Lord. So now I can love with no strings attached. And here's how that affects every interaction that we could have. We now begin to see people the way Jesus sees them, where their worth, their inherent intrinsic value is in a total different compartment than what they do or don't do. Even our greatest enemies, we can look on them with compassion. Jesus hanging on a cross, being mocked by his executioners, was able to say, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. Only the love of Jesus, when it takes over, can give us those kind of eyes to see and ears to hear the opportunities to notice the hurt and the oppressed and the rejected and the ostracized people that are all around us. And if we are truly grateful for all that we've been given, then we too must give our eyes, our ears, our time, our kitchen table, our resources. Because what happens if we're truly grateful and aware of the abundance of love that God has given us, then our giving becomes a reflection of our gratitude. 
means that I'm going to freely give whatever is in because I know that this, this resource that I'm giving, this attention that I'm giving, this space that I'm giving, this shoulder that I'm providing for you to lean on, I've only got it because God gave it to me to begin with. And it was never mine. I didn't earn it. So I'm free to give it. So to the spouse that's in a broken marriage where you feel like you're giving and giving and giving and they're not meeting you, I want to remind you it's a covenant, it's not a contract. Your love for them is more about your love for God and His love for you. So whether your spouse deserves it or not, you can keep on giving. You can keep on loving. You can keep on showing mercy. If you've got a wayward child, a child who's disrespectful, who's rebellious, you can keep on loving. You can keep on believing that reconciliation is possible because regardless if they fall in line or not, you know God loves them and God loves you. And He doesn't change the assignment of your value or their value based on their behavior. So now that we can take the pressure people in our lives to make us feel special and make us feel wanted and make us feel important, we now can live life with a new purpose like Zacchaeus, where we begin to notice. So this Christmas season, in the middle of your agendas and your parties and your shopping and all the things that we've got going on, I'm going to leave you with this question. Who are you noticing? Who in your life in your house, on your kid's soccer team, in your neighborhood, in your workplace, who needs to be noticed in a way that reminds them that they matter to God? Let's be people who notice. Let's be people who let other people know their worth to God is, is unfathomable. He would do anything, and he has done anything to demonstrate their worth. He's given everything. So let us give as a reflection of our gratitude, our time, our energy, our resources to show people in tangible ways the love of God. Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for the way you love us and the way you see us. And despite our failures and our flaws, you look at us with unlimited potential because you know the power of a changed life. You know the power that your love can unleash if we choose to live on mission and live like you. Help us to see people. Help us to notice people. Help us to be people who have an extra measure of grace for the difficult people in our life. Help us to be people that give the benefit of the doubt, that give second, third, fourth chances. Help us to live and love like you. And Lord, we're going to step back and celebrate the lives that get changed as we demonstrate what life change looks like. We are grateful. And out of that place of gratitude, Lord, we're going to give whatever the moment asks of us, whether it's attention, time, money, whatever it is, Lord, we are going to give according to our gratitude. So make us aware of everything you've done and all we have to be grateful for this Christmas season. In your name we pray, amen.